0: Welcome to Stewardology, a podcast where two worlds collide. In this show, financial advisor Tim Russell and Reverend Drew Geisey Come together to explore the intersection of financial stewardship and theology. Their unique perspectives help Christians and churches understand and apply a biblical framework for everyday financial decisions, so Christians everywhere can improve and strengthen their walk with Christ through biblical stewardship. Before we get started, we just wanted you to know that the topics discussed in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations. Investing and investment strategies involve risk, including Including the potential loss principle, principal. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities and advisory services are offered through Genio's Wealth Management, member FINRA and SIPC. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Tim Russell and Drew Geisy. I'm
1: Tim Russell. And I'm Pastor Drew Geisey. And we welcome you to episode 89 of The Stewardology Podcast. Podcast. Well, Tim, we're going to start off with a little bit of a sacrificial giving story that ties in with our episode on sacrificial giving. So let me have a little story time with Drew here. An eight-year-old boy had a younger sister who was dying of leukemia, and he was told that without a blood transfusion, she would die. His parents explained to him that his blood was probably compatible with hers, and if so, he could be the blood donor. They asked him if he would if he would consider testing his blood, and he said, sure. So they did, and it was a good match. Then they asked if he would give his sister a pint of blood, that it would be her only chance of living, and he said that he would have to think about it overnight. The next day, he went to his parents and said that he was willing to donate the blood. So they took him to the hospital where he was put on a gurney beside his six-year-old sister. Both of them were hooked up into IVs, and a nurse withdrew a pint of blood from the boy, which was then put into the girl's IV. The boy lay on his gurney in silence while the blood dripped into his sister, until the doctor came over to see how he was doing. Then the boy opened his eyes and asked, "'How soon till I start to die?' "'Wow!' that's sacrifice. Believing that he would die, yet willing to give of his own blood for his sister for someone else, that is an extreme form of sacrificial giving but we're not going to go down that path of blood transfusion trail of sacrifice today but we're going to talk about it in a monetary and an asset sense today so tim let's start off let's look at this with a good definition of sacrificial giving and i had a real struggle with putting this together and i actually took and kind of morphed what i saw with a few of them together i'm kind of put my own definition together so let me just jump in with that and that is sacrificial giving is giving beyond our means for the love of another and unto the lord i think those 3 pieces are important it's beyond our means loving for someone else and it's to the Lord and this is a biblical definition of it. Um, it's not a worldly definition. so I, I wanted to kind of bring that here. So Tim, what are your thoughts on that? What do you
2: mean by beyond your means? because I that is a phrase and we're going to talk about the the verse from which that that phrase comes from a little later in our passage here
1: uh, a little a little later in our discussion. but what do you mean by giving beyond your means? That is a really good question, Tim. This is how I would define it. You operate within a budget. You have your budget. You're operating within that framework. And you sense or realize that there is a need that's there. And let's say your offerings, we talk about give, save, spend, offerings, then luxury. Let's say that there's a missionary that comes by and there's a great need. And you've already used your offerings money. You had maybe 25 bucks set aside that month. you've already given that away, and you are compelled and now you're going to say, "You know what? I don't know how I'm going to pull this off, but I'm putting a100 dollars in the plate. I'm going $100 above 100 dollars above and beyond. Now that breaks my budget. That messes with my numbers. That goes above my my means because I operate on a zero base here. All my dollars are giving a name. So now I need to go in, redistribute, recheck, rechange things, and that's going to cause me to now sacrifice something else in order for me to make that gift, that love for another unto the Lord happen. Thoughts about that, Tim? My definition
2: of sacrificial giving would be giving out of your essential budget to a specific cause or ministry opportunity. So I I don't know that it's fundamentally different than your definition. Okay. Um, But from a from a budgetary perspective, from a financial advisory perspective, and we'll get to this a little later. The phrase giving beyond your means makes me very very uncomfortable. I wish our audience could see your face right now when you said that. Because because I I have seen so many circumstances where where Giving beyond their means means that they're going to give on debt. Uh, that's, and, and they're going to finance their their charitable giving yeah. desires and they'll pay for it over the next fifty years in small sequential payments. Yeah, Installment that, payments. That's that's and, foolish. And, and that is is unbiblical, unwise, and not sacrificial giving at all, because you're not sacrificing anything today, you're simply sacrificing your future. Well said. And I I don't think that we do that to the glory of God. Tim, I think we're fundamentally in the same camp. However, the phrase, giving beyond your means, is a biblical phrase. And it's a phrase that harkens back to what the uh, Gentile church was doing in their poverty. They were giving more than they could afford to give— They gave beyond their means. That means that they didn't only sacrifice some of the luxuries, they sacrificed some of the things that they considered essential to to their their daily living. They were willing to go without food on their table for a day or a meal or something like that in order to to give. It actually cost them not just the nice-to-haves, the need to have
1: yeah. for life. And also not only the cost but it created something unique. Listen to this Acts 20 verse 35. It says remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than re- to receive. So sacrificial giving when kingdom oriented when it's about the word and the and the Lord himself, it leads to that abundant joy though there is a deficit because you're giving out of what you have to the hurt or pain in one way, shape, or form, it's going to be all right and it's going to bring great joy because what we see here is more blessed to give than to receive. I think we need to make sure that that's packaged in here Uh, along with this sacrificial giving. And it does mess with your mind, that word sacrificial giving.
2: One of the things that you have to keep in mind is sacrificial giving is fundamentally different than ordinary giving. Absolutely. Sacrificial giving is not ordinary and typical. Okay, so first of all, what I what I don't mean by that is that it, when we give, it's not in some way a sacrifice. It, it, every time we give, it's sacrificing what we could use for ourselves and giving it unto someone else or giving it unto the But that's the not what
1: we're talking about.
2: That's normal and ordinary category one giving. You remember yes. the five biblical sequentials? We give first, then we save, then we spend, right? We pay our bills. Then we have offerings, looking for the needs of others. That's another form of and giving. And then we have... Luxuries, right? That's the five biblical financial priorities. Giving, category one. This is ordinary giving. This is something built into it. Sacrificial giving is a different thing altogether. It doesn't fit within the five biblical no financial framework. It, it actually, it actually stresses the framework. It messes with it. Yeah. And here's here's the here's why it's so important, Drew, because. I may have alluded to this in another podcast, or I may have just alluded to it in conversation in passing. We, as, as thought leaders, we as podcast hosts and, and teaching biblical stewardship, we can do it in such a way as to make um, biblical stewardship its own little mini-god, its well own little yeah. controlling thing, so that um, we never have room in our budgets, in our framework, to think about sacrifice and sacrificial giving. Yeah. So, um, and and, and I think it's it's easier for someone who is who is on the lower end of the income spectrum to do sacrificial giving than it is for someone on the higher end of the income spectrum to do sacrificial giving. You know, so there's, there's a lot here that I think we need to unpack and think about, but I, I fundamentally, we have to recognize we must leave room for the Holy spirit to move upon a person in such a way as to, to guide them into giving in a way that stresses the five biblical financial priorities framework.
1: Preach it, brother. I'm there.
2: And and that in certain cases and circumstances that is not only okay, it's it's something that the believer must do um but it is not
1: the norm.
2: It is not in not some a weekly, way—
1: It's not a weekly thing. Well, yeah.
2: It, it's not to say that, that the five financial framework, the five stewardship financial framework here, that, that it doesn't apply. That's not what we're saying. It applies. Correct. But that there are times where we set that aside for the greater good of following the leading of the Spirit when he moves to give— out of your category three or giving out of your savings instead of putting money aside for retirement saving. I'm sacrificing that to give to this ministry. I'm sacrificing all of my four and all of my five, and I'm sacrificing some of my three in order to give to this cause, this purpose. Tim, we're on the same page. That's sacrificial. So It's not necessarily giving money that you don't have. And that's where your definition uses the phrase, giving beyond your means. My fear is that means I'm giving money that I don't have. Yeah, That's not, I believe, what Paul is getting at. What, What we're talking about is giving money that you really should be putting somewhere else. You redirect it. Because of a special moving of the Holy Spirit upon you for a special act of generosity. Love
1: that. Well said, well said. Well, let's take a look at a couple verses. First one is 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. It says, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability— entirely on their own. Tim, talk about this verse. Let's look at this one together.
2: This is a verse that makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) This is a passage I will frankly and honestly disclose that I have struggled with knowing how to put it in a framework in my mind that makes sense and that also is compatible with the other biblical priorities that are clearly taught in scripture to yep. look ahead, foresee a danger, prepare yourself, to have reserves, to pay your bills on time, to um, protect and provide for your family. Yeah. These things are required, these are biblical things that we are called to do. And yet, we have an example. In the context, we have a church uh, that—the churches in Macedonia heard of the great need of the church in Jerusalem, the Jewish brothers. These are are individuals that were, first of all, they, they were Jewish. So there's a a racial component here. The Jewish individuals there were certainly some among them who were trying to enforce circumcision on the Gentiles and wanted the Gentile Christians to behave in a Jewish way so that the that if you were really going to be a Christian, you needed to be Jewish. So you needed to be circumcised and you needed to obey the customs and laws of Moses in order to make it all work. Uh, now the the Church in Jerusalem had addressed that and they had made it free and open for the church in 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 Macedonia for the Gentile Church to truly and freely be in Christ without necessarily conforming to all these external right. laws but there was still tension there. And we see that tension demonstrated. We see in Galatians where some from the Jewish sect came up and tried to force people and Peter himself even was deceived. Okay. Um, Or, or succumb to peer pressure. maybe that's a better way of saying it. So there was still all of this tension, but you see that this church on the one hand that was so poor and didn't have any of the resources saw the famine in Jerusalem, the persecution in Jerusalem And love welled up in their heart, and the Holy Spirit moved upon them in such a way as to raise whatever meager funds that they could to help alleviate the suffering in Jerusalem. In spite of all of the tensions, in spite of the confusion, in spite of the history and conflict that may have been there, they loved their brothers in Christ so much— that they were willing to go without in order to help those who have nothing to at least have something. That is such a remarkable example of the grace of God making the body of Christ come around a weaker part to love, to strengthen, and to demonstrate Christ-like love. What an amazing, and amazing testimony. When we talk about their, um, generosity welling up, it uses these two ideas, right? First of all, there was extreme poverty. Not just poverty. Extreme poverty. Very important. They, They had barely two nickels to rub together. They were a very poor church. And it says welled up in rich generosity, extreme poverty, rich generosity. Think about those two those two concepts for a minute how how contradictory on one level they are and yet how beautiful they are because it's not about the amount you give it's about your heart and and the, the the um the fact that you're willing to sacrifice to give yeah i i can give you an example of this when my boys were in cub scouts long long ago we we lived in a in a town that had a fair amount of poverty in it and we lived in the borough and a lot of guys um, came came from the suburban areas and we every thanksgiving went around and we collected canned good items for the poor and we would go to these houses, and some of them, I was like, I don't, I don't think we should go to this house. These people look so poor. I mean, the roof looks like it's about to fall down. If you push on the house too hard, it might fall over. You know, do we really want to come here? And you know, my boys like, yeah, let's go, let's go. So we walk up to this house, we knock on the door, and and this woman comes to the door and say, Hey, we're with the Cub Scouts. We're here to collect canned goods to give to to the poor. And this woman's eyes lit up. She goes, hold on. And she goes running back into her kitchen and brings out bags, bags of food, like canned good items that she had that she probably desperately needed because she knows what it's like to be hungry. Mm. And, and she knows what it's like to have someone help in the time of need. So her poverty welled up in extreme generosity. Oh, rich generosity towards others. And you know what's interesting? When we went and sh- and weighed all of the things and showed what, what we got from our poor part of town and what the other guys got from the rich part of town, it was amazing. The guys from the suburban areas, more well-to-do, was like pulling teeth to give people to donate canned goods because they were so... Separated from the feeling of hunger mm-hmm. and from poverty and the effects of it that their heart was not moved towards the individual who had the need, whereas for us, everywhere we went, people were like, "Let me empty my cupboards." yeah, it blew me
1: away, it blew me away Tim, that story I think parallels quite well what we read here in second corinthians eight one through three people who they were in severe trial, they had extreme poverty, but yet they had overflowing joy and they were, had rich generosity and they gave beyond what they really had to be able to survive for the week. They gave that away entirely on their own, as the text says, to be a blessing to somebody else. I like what Randy Alcorn has to say in his book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity. He talks about there's three levels of giving less than our ability, according to our ability, and beyond our ability. And he continues to say, "...it's fair to say that 96% of Christians in the Western world gives less than their ability. Perhaps another 3% or more give according to their ability, and less than 1% give beyond their ability." And, what, and he continues to say, what does this mean to give beyond our ability? It means to push our giving past the point where the figures add up. Oh, I like that. He also says it means to give when the bottom line says we shouldn't. It means to give away not just the luxuries, but also some of the necessities. It means living with the faith of the poor widow. For most of us, giving according to our means would stretch us. Giving beyond their means would appear to break us, but it won't, because we know God is faithful. I love how he packaged that and put that. Tim, what are your thoughts? I know it challenges a little bit of your thinking as a financial advisor, doesn't it?
2: Well, it sure does. Um, Randy is a great example of someone who simply, not just simply believes something, but practices what he preaches. Well said. And if you know some of his story, I'm not going to get into it now. Uh, his his entire life is an example of putting into practice these sacrificial giving ideas. Um, I love the idea of having the faith of the widow, the poor widow, and living with that faith. I I, I struggle to to know how that applies in a variety of, of individual circumstances. Uh, So for example, I I feel like I know what that looks like for an individual who, who has small amount, right? Because faith is, is really, it's all they have. They don't have the resources to make it through Um, for an individual on the upper end of the income spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, the the struggle with that is that they don't need, I'm using air quotes here, need, right? They need it. They don't realize they need it. They don't need, they don't feel the need of God as much as the person who doesn't have the resource. And there's natural human reasons for that. And there's also
1: just other struggles. And, it's a and, trust thing. It they is. can trust themselves and their 401k and their bank account instead their of trusting to make God.
2: Money. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So, what does sacrificial
2: giving look like? In that context, and having that poor widow's uh, might idea, I think Randy actually is an answer to that. Yes, because he has all of these books he's written with lots and lots of royalties, but he lives on a very modest salary. Correct. There are other individuals like there's a there's a barn Barnhart, Barnhart Cranes or drilling. Uh, it's a company based in Tennessee, that's now international. And when these two guys, these two brothers, took over the business from their dad, they were going to go into the mission field. God closed the door for them to go into the mission field. They brought them into the family business. They ended up putting the entire family business into a charitable trust, into a charitable entity, living on a very modest salary, and have grown that company to the point where they're giving away millions of dollars a month to missions love that a month so for them that's what sacrificial looks like and and for them that's normal so it kind of flies against what i said earlier where sacrificial is 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 not the ordinary right it is it is an unusual movement where we give beyond our abilities from time to time and moment to moment i still stand by that that is one of the ways in which sacrificial is 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 called. I would tell you, not every single person listening to this podcast is called to be a Randy Alcorn or called to be a Barnhart Brothers. Correct. So it it refer it requires some discernment for you and for me to evaluate what God is calling us to do and what sacrificial looks like for
1: the average Christian. Some other thoughts that I read in Randy Alcorn's book, uh, and again, the title is Money, Possessions, and Eternity. Let me share a few of these other thoughts that I read there. He says, when giving and you have multiple choices of the same thing, you give the best of those things and not the worn-out item. That's actually giving, not monetarily things, it's giving of assets. Yes. So if you have two computers, you give the better of the two away instead of the, the worst of the two.
2: If you go back to the episode that we did on um, how to increase your standard of giving, where we had um, the guy from the, the, the memory scripture, memory fellowship. Yes. Dakota Lynch. Yeah. Dakota Lynch. He was in there and Tyler shared the story about someone giving to the church, a whole bunch of tires.
1: Yes. That's just kind of a random gift. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. He also continues to say, it's not giving of items that we no longer use or want. That's just slimming down. It's giving of assets, items, money that that is accounted for and being used regularly. These are items that we really want or need to hold on to. Yes. But in this sacrificial situation, the need is greater elsewhere than your own possessions, your own bank account, where things are at.
2: When I was in middle school, in middle school, maybe uh, upper elementary, they were telling us missionary stories. And this one missionary said, You know, we go to churches and, and they open up and they give us certain things like this is a missionary clause you get to go to and take whatever you might need. Yep. Familiar um, and, with that. and they would get these care packages, maybe sent to them overseas. And sometimes these care packages would have things like used tea bags. Say what? Used tea bags. You're be- kidding me. Be- because it's better than nothing that they have, so I'll give them the used tea bags.
0: That's that horrendous. is not
2: sacrificial. That's insulting. That's insulting. That's not sacrificial giving. We don't give garbage. You, you know, there's the saying, "Don't look a gift horse in the mouth." Right. Yeah. The, the idea is there. If someone gives you yours, you don't look in that mouth and look at the teeth and see how how healthy or unhealthy they are. Look at a certain point. You know,
1: you don't want to give someone garbage. Not at all. Not at all. You know, and that ties in with this next passage of scripture, 2 Samuel 24, verse 24. And David says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I love this passage. I'm it's so a, glad you brought this one. It's up. a great passage. David makes it clear in this passage that sacrifice costs something. The one that's giving, there is a cost factor that's involved. Now, let's not be foolish, Tim. You said it so well earlier. We need to make sure we calculate the cost. We're not going into debt in this way, but it's costing me something. Sacrificial giving, it literally makes no sense, yet it makes total sense at the same time because it's meeting a need of another, and it's a sacrificial gift unto the Lord, it makes no sense from a human perspective. I have a finite limit
2: number of dollars. I need to use them for my purposes. Right. And, and I'm taking those dollars and I'm giving them to someone else. I'm giving them to an individual, to a ministry, giving it unto the Lord. And yet, from an eternal perspective, it makes all the sense in the world. Because remember, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and dust corrupt and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How do you do that? Through giving, through generosity, through sacrificial giving. It is the most, it is the most intelligent thing to do.
1: Yeah. Sacrificial giving does not make monetary sense. One gives to a deficit or pain point, and that does not make numerical sense— to hurt yourself in this way, but yet it does make monetary sense because we read in Malachi 3, God promises to provide in our generosity. He encourages us to test him in our giving unto the Lord that he will not open, if he will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that we cannot contain it. So sacrificial giving is really risky at times. It reduces greatly or eliminates your resources, your protection, your backup plan, your safety net. And that's why it messes with your mind, Tim. I'm sure it does. That safety net kind of gets pulled out. And this is where faith comes into play. When was the last time that you said, give us, Lord, this day our daily bread? And you really meant it. We don't. Because our storehouse are the cupboards, it's the refrigerator, it's the freezer, it's the extra refrigerator, the extra freezer we have in the basement or the garage. Alcorn goes on and he, he says this about sacrificial giving. A disciple does not ask, how much can I keep? But how much more can I give? Whenever we start to get comfortable with our, le- with our level of giving— it's time to raise it again. Tim, thoughts on that one? I think
2: that's absolutely the right question to ask. Yeah. Not how much can I keep, but how much can I give? We in in this wealthy American culture have far more than we need, True. and yet the goal and the measure of the success is is how big we can build our barns. Yeah, the, the the biblical steward, the wide steward, cares about saving and putting money aside for the future, but they need to be thinking about how much they should be giving, how much they should be sacrificing of, of, of their future and their, their wealth, essentially, to fund what God is giving. Has he increased your income so that you can have a better standard of living? that you can have a better standard of giving. That, that's a question I think we all need to wrestle with. Yeah. And hear me when I say this. I am not telling you what to do. I'm not trying to be the conscience, to be the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, thus saith the Lord, if you don't give 20% or 50% or whatever percent of your income, you are a bad Christian. The point is the biblical steward wrestles with this concept and seeks to honor God with that decision.
1: So there's this tension that happens between wise stewardship and sacrificial giving. And let's take a look at a couple verses here, at least this first one here, 2 Corinthians 8, 2-4. through For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance... Of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, they gave out of their poverty even more than they could afford to give. So, when do we do this sacrificial giving? The answer is when God's directing you to do so, when you're meeting a kingdom need that's out there. And when do we not do sacrificial giving? When it's to show off to others. When it's so others can actually look and, or you can perceive that they are looking at you and say, look what I've done. And also you don't do it when it's done out of love for others. You do it out of love for God first and foremost. You do that And that's really a good benchmark. You are loving others through as you're loving God. So you didn't
2: read this verse, but the very next verse in that passage goes
1: on, verse 5. It says,
2: And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, yeah, and then by the will of God to us. Yeah. So... Sacrificial giving is not just about the money. It is. Money is certainly part of it. Right? it That's specifically what's going on here. It's the collection um, in Macedonia and the collection in Corinth for the church in uh, in, in Jerusalem. But it's giving of themselves to the Lord. Why do they give sacrificially? Because they are not their own. They were bought with a price. Amen. They glorify God with their bodies. They glorify God with their money. They glorify God with everything they have because they are not their own. And because of that, when they give themselves to God, they also willingly, gladly, and freely give themselves to
1: others, to individuals, to fellow brothers who are in need. Tim, let's shift. In the beginning, you talked about some uncomfortable verses. Let me read one and give us some of your comfort level here. Let me read from Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Yeah, the yeah. the perplexed, perplexed look is on your face again.
2: I, I don't think it's necessarily as perplexing as the giving beyond their means passage in Second Corinthians 8. Uh, this one, This one stresses me in a different way. It stresses me thinking, okay, I am in a counseling situation, And I am meeting with this poor woman. And she looks at me and says, I don't have much left. Whatever I have, I want to give to the Lord. I've got these two copper coins. It's all I have left in this world. And I'm going to give it to God. Yeah. As a biblical steward, as a counselor and a Christian advisor sitting down with this woman, I can tell you my first reaction would not be to say, God bless you, what a great demonstration of faith. It, I would be telling her, hold on, we got to look at the future, we got to make sure we have some reserve, we have to plan and prepare, we've got to do this and do that. And yet I hear what Jesus says. Yeah. And Jesus says not what I would say. So so does that mean Jesus is out of line? No, it means I'm out of line. <laughs> that's why I'm I'm perplexed. I, sure. I'm because I'm trying to I'm trying to wrestle in my heart and in my mind and in my soul how as a godly biblical financial advisor and counselor I can I can tell people to do what the Bible says and yet still have room to be with Jesus and say she gave more than everyone else. Yeah. So I guess a couple things. First of all, she wasn't applauding her her financial stewardship and wisdom. She was applauding her faith, her love for the Lord, her willingness to sacrifice. Um
1: Go, go he's beyond also, it, go into her heart.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's right to the heart, Tim. Absolutely. He, he's not saying, she's a great example of how Christians ought to handle their money. No. However, she is a great example of how Christians should approach faith in their giving. Well, say, say, Tim. Say that again. That was so well put. She's not a great example of how Christians ought to handle their budgets, but she is a great example about how how Christians should approach their giving in faith. Yeah. They they need to give with the faith, with the heart, with the same love of the widow, to give whatever meager offering that they have to the Lord. You you know, in our churches— Individuals sit in the pews and they say, "Well, uh, uh, my ten percent's nothing like their ten percent. Right. I'm not going to move the dial. I'm not going to be able to affect any real meaningful change in the budget of this church. So the church doesn't need my money. I'm not going to give. I need my money more than the church does." That was not what the widow said. Right? Jesus says she gave more than they did, not numerically.
1: Not percentage
2: wise. She n- n- no, no no numerically. Just yeah. just by the sheer number of of dollars or right. copper coins or whatever, right. the might that she put in there. She didn't give more than the other people gave. But by percentage of her income she gave more. Right. By by the sheer amount of faith that it took for her to give that meager amount, it was far more than anyone else gave. Mm-hmm. So that's where you approach this widow and say, what a great example mm. of Christian faith
1: and godly trust in the Lord to give that amount. So let me shift here, Tim, to a couple questions that I know have come our way. Is it ever okay for someone to give in a way that limits their ability to save and invest for the future? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so
2: the the widow is a great example of that, first yeah, of all. yeah. Uh, Again, there's a tension here. There's a tension between how much is enough and how much is too much. Mm -hmm. How much is enough to save and invest? How much is enough to have for retirement savings? And how much is at some point too much that, that it's going to cause you to have more faith in yourself versus faith in God to provide for your needs? That is an important question that we need to wrestle with. So we need wisdom. We need to not make knee-jerk reactions. We have to give ourselves some time to pray through this question, seek God's wisdom and advice. There are absolutely occasions and times and circumstances where um, something like the Ukraine crisis happens, Mm -hmm. and you are moved out of compassion for the church in Ukraine Uh, individuals in ukraine and to alleviate their suffering you're going to go a month or two without saving for retirement and sacrificing eating out and doing a number of other things sacrificially to give to that cause Uh, however I, i would argue it's probably not wise to end all saving in the future and, and and all of that in order to uh, perpetually fund one thing or another. Now, there may be times and cases where that is what God's calling you to do, but that's not, I think, the general standard application that most people are going to be able to apply. It's not what God's
1: calling most people to. I agree. So another question that came our way was, does sacrificial giving always have a spiritual connection? So, and I, I want to just kind of to speak to it real quickly, is what's the point of sacrificial giving if it's not for Christ and kingdom purposes? You know, yeah, it's good to give to the Red Cross, it's good to give to parachurch ministries, um, it's good to be able to give to companies and places that are removing plastic from the oceans, but sacrificial giving, through my lenses— should be focused first and foremost on soul impact and the change that it can make in people's lives. Uh, Sacrificial giving, according to the Bible, is really kingdom-minded, not worldly-minded. What are your thoughts on that, Tim? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, there
2: There are absolutely times when giving to physical material needs is a godly thing to do. So explain that. So we, as, as people made in the image of God, we are image bearers. And when Adam fell in the garden, the curse of God came upon man and came upon all of creation. So what, re- what was required at that point was hard work and sweat and labor to yield any kind of fruit to have any kind of positive impact in the world where whereas before everything came easy now everything was more difficult part of the part of the purpose that God has given us as human beings to do is to be a down payment on that ultimate curse reversal, we have given been given a mission to care, cultivate, and to take uh, take responsibility for the world that God has given us. We need to be good stewards of that world, and we need to um, looking. To the future, seeing that Jesus Christ was was promised in Genesis chapter three, we have the proto-evangelion, the first promise of the gospel. He, uh, you shall bruise his heel, but he shall crush your crush your head. Right, the talking about the serpent. This is a promise of the Messiah. Then we see it fulfilled in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he has destroyed sin and death, and he has made a way for salvation. And God, through Jesus Christ, is reversing that curse. And yet in the future, in the new heavens and the new earth, we will see that curse finally and completely broken. Can't okay. wait. Can't wait. It, it's a beautiful picture. Now, what are what is our job as Christians? Right now, we are to be, like Christ, showing a down payment for the reversing of the curse that is yet to come. We can't fully and completely reverse it, but what is our job? But to address the effect of the fall in the world, what job doesn't impact the fall in some way or another? Whether you're a gardener, whether you're a trash collector, whether you're working in an auto mechanic shop or a teacher in the hospital or working in the hospital as a nurse, we all are in some way Alleviating suffering, trying to bring about a greater good and a greater flourishing of mankind in the image of God within man. So, with that framework, I have zero problem with people giving to secular, I'm going to use the word with air quotes, secular causes that do good in a particular circumstance. Th- that you feel is 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 something that's important for this world, and recognizing that God can use even that to bring about His good ends. But here's the problem: I don't want us to only do that. Thank you for saying that, Tim. Because at the end of the day, you use the term "soul impact." S O U L. It's the mission. Of, of Christians is not just to make it a better world. It's to make Christ look glorious. Yes. And we do that through caring for the world, through caring for people, and for sharing the gospel to them. So we should alleviate suffering. We should seek to alleviate poverty while sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, sharing forgiveness of sins through the death of burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the hope that we have now through him to overcome sin and to live for him, we make Christ look glorious through giving to ministries and missions that affect the evangelization and discipling of the
1: nations. We're on the same page. I I love that because to me it's all about how many people can we take with us to glory so let's take a quick, quick, quick look at what are some of the hindrances to sacrificial giving? What's the first one, Tim?
2: Debt. Debt is certainly the thing. If, if, if our income is being called for by others, we have no control over that. A certain portion of our income has to go to cover those expenses we're not gonna be able to give as much
1: as we could otherwise give. Absolutely, and idolatry is a second one where we're loving the world, we're loving the money to the point where we're hoarding. We're loving what
2: money can do for us, the
1: image, yes, the power, the prestige that money gives. Yeah,
2: what's the next one, Tim? <laughs> Ownership. Do you believe that you own
1: everything or that you are a steward of everything? Ooh, Who owns it? Love that. And then Trust. This is the next one. Do you trust God's providences or your own paycheck? Do you trust that God is going to be that great provider when you give sacrificially saying, God, this is breaking my budget, but I'm trusting you that this is all going to work out. I'm going to use wisdom as I do it. Or are you more concerned about the bottom line? There's a trust factor that needs to be built in there. and And Tim, that messes with not just the budget but with the head and the heart and the mind all at the mm-hmm, same time mm-hmm. and the family so and i think the big question is is who owns our hearts and where do our desires lie yeah so what are what are all believers to do when it comes to sacrificial giving tim let's take a look at this real quick so we're all as a believer called to tithe right yeah. to give
2: to the lord all believers are to give offerings to to support others who are less fortunate themselves individuals and ministries all believers are to consider and process sac- sacrificial giving uh, so what does it mean to consider
1: and to process sacrificial giving drew what do you what do you think basically I think you ought to have in your heart and mind at all times saying, God, where's the need and how can I be a blessing? So you're you're already processing this and have that consideration ready to go. And it's uh, basically allowing your heart and your mind to have that, that uh, fertile soil for the Lord when he is calling to give. I remember a time uh, I was— I was not even on staff at my first ministry, but I was attending there, and there was a missionary that was there, and I didn't have a lot of money back then, but the bottom line is I was so moved, and that missionary is still a friend of mine. He's serving in Italy, and I think he listens to us periodically, Tim. I was so moved that I pulled out my only $20 bill out of my pocket and put it in the the plate to give to him and his ministry of reaching the Italians with the gospel, and Yes, that's an important thing. It's, it's saying that I'm going to process this. I am going to uh, consider these things. So when the Lord reaches within the heart and mind, that you take action when that happens. That's what I'm kind of looking at. So the bottom line,
2: we believe that sacrificial giving is something that all believers from time to time will be called to do. Agreed. To make sacrifices for the kingdom. Not everyone is going to be called to live sacrificially. Well said. However, our our bodies, our lives are to be a living sacrifice.
1: Mm. Good, good.
2: So we recognize that we all have to process and pray through what is God calling us to give, uh, what are we stepping out in faith to do? Look this year at your giving and, and the application I would call you to is evaluate how much the Lord wants you to give mm. this year and be ready, prepared, organize your budget in a way so that you can give so that you can do it freely without going into debt.
1: Yeah. So as I close out this, this time here, I just want us to remember this. Even with sacrificial giving, you can never outgive God. He will see your generosity, and through the promises of His Word, He will take good care of you. And we see that He will also meet our needs. Don't forget those very important pieces, and Allow the Spirit of God to work in your heart and mind so when the need arises and the Spirit makes it clear that the pocketbook opens up, the checkbook opens up, and you're able to meet that need for His glory. Tim, close us out. Well, I want to thank you
2: today for taking some of your very valuable time in listening to this podcast. If you found it helpful, share with us uh, ideas or or items that have impacted you and your life. Go to stewardologypodcast.com forward slash ideas and give us ideas for future episodes as well. Uh, You can review this podcast and your favorite podcast catcher, podcast player, and that's always incredibly helpful. Again, you can leave your comments there and uh, we'll be happy to to, um, address any questions you may leave even in the comments section. That's always a good way to do that as well. Thank you again for listening to us. Until next time, God bless, and don't forget, make your life a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Stewardology Podcast, where financial stewardship and theology meet. We'd like to help you take your next steps in biblical financial stewardship. First, subscribe in your podcast provider to get the newest episode delivered to you every week. Next, follow us on social media and visit our website at stewardologypodcast.com. There you can find our social media links and our entire episode archive. Remember, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. See you next week on the Stewardology Podcast. Securities and advisory services offered through Genius Wealth Management, member FINRA and SIPIC.